Welcome to the Amazon Legends Podcast, where we have real stories about making it big on Amazon. Our guests are CEOs of large companies and entrepreneurs who became powerful sellers, also experts specializing in helping sellers, and both former and current Amazon employees who will give us an insight from behind the scenes. Here's your host, Nick Urison. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Amazon Legends. My next guest today has been in e-commerce advertising for almost two decades with AI since AI has been around, has become widely used. So I guess uh, even though AI is new, you could consider him an AI veteran at this point (laughs) because of the way he does it. He is the founder and CEO of AIHello.com a professional chase player, um, taking his knowledge to a different level. And um, without further ado, so meet my, my guest, uh, Ganesh. Ganesh Krishna. Welcome to the show, Ganesh. Thank you, Nick. Thanks for the amazing introduction. You know, I feel proud of myself. So when Amazon started, it was all about selling products. If you go way back, you know, the, they were selling books and then they started selling other stuff, but Amazon was selling it. And the next thing they did was they started enabling these third-party sellers to sell products. And then advertising came in. So advertising became this complex thing, you know, per click, the campaign, the uh, match and auto match and blah, blah, blah. Plus things are changing all the time. So it's a very complex thing that took a different kind of talent to manage it. So, so you have a totally different approach to this. So tell us what that yeah. is. Right. So I think first of uh, advertising is a natural progression for most of these companies. Actually, that's an easy way to make money. Uh, so if there's any SaaS company that comes across, you know, the first thing they look for is how can we monetize this, and it eventually leads into ads. Um, what Amazon is realizing over time is that it's making much more money uh, by not selling product by advertising than by selling the product. Um, so the, the e-commerce and the retail is supposed to be kind of, you know, uh, is, is, a, is a sweet thing, but the whole cake, you know, the base of it is advertising. Everything is advertising. The money comes from advertising and it's the fastest growing segment, you know, among, among, among Amazon. Um, it's even surpassing AWS. And uh, you bring up an interesting thing, you know, like, oh, what do you think about, you know, how smart or uh, how does it have to be? Uh, so ads doesn't have to be very smart. At the end of the day, it's just you know, a very dumb auctioning machine. Uh, people, you know, online, they come up with, you know, uh, complex formula, you know, how to set it up. Um, really, you know, uh, really in-depth, you know, Excel sheet for the CPC, for the beta. It's like you don't have to do all of it. Ads is just a basic auctioning system. Uh, spend all your time and money on building business plans, you know, on what you want to do. Uh, and let the experts handle that else. So what I'm hearing from you is really two things. First of all, you say Amazon makes more money on advertising than selling products. Yes. And this is after AWS. Of course, AWS is a platform they built. Uh, I heard Jeff Bezos talk about the fact that they had a six-year runway in building... AWS and cloud computing, and which is, you know, in technology, one year is a lifetime. So having yeah. six years compared to your competition together. So 
Uh, AWS, of course, is now their main moneymaker. And now I'm hearing yeah. from you is advertising is the next thing rather than selling yeah. products. Yeah. So the second thing that I heard you say is advertising is actually done. It's nothing yeah. too complicated. Yes, that is correct. At least from you know, uh, a buyer or a seller perspective, uh, it's just basically a dumb auctioning system. It works, you know, it, it cannot make it really smart. That's because it has to, you know, sell millions of people with millions of transactions per second. So it's just a very quick, um, I don't know if I should say dumb, it, it's a very quick read-only auctioning system uh, where it, for, for, for a particular keyword, it chooses the best, you know, uh, keyword and then shows it to the user. So, so walk us through how how you get the most out of this this dumb system. Uh, so you have to understand what parameters goes into it. Uh, the first is the contextual of uh, of it. You know, so if you're selling, you know, coffee, then uh, put some related keywords to coffee. You know, for your product. So Amazon selects all the keywords for your product, and then it sorts them according to the bid. So the top bid always wins, and this is very critical. Um, but if the bids are the same, you know, uh, if I have bid $1 and you have bid $1 as well, then Amazon sorts it in descending order according to the performance of the seller. So if your performance is better than mine, you are on the top. So and how do, you define, how do you define performance? There's a lot of parameters. I think Amazon even shows it in the seller central. You know, what is your points? They show it in a point system, actually. You know, you've sold five products, your points went up by three points. You know, so it's a lot of your seller performance metric. So which, which, you know, they put it as points, but we call it as a seller performance metric. So if your performance has historically been better than mine, then and if, and if you have both the same bid, then you will win. But if you bid $1 and I bid $1, one cent, and it doesn't matter what my performance is, I'm going to win. So it's, it's a very critical thing, you know, right? So money always wins. So this is a pay-to-play situation. Yes. And there is no difference on that. Bids are equal. You yep. just have to keep bidding higher and higher. Yeah. And, and who determines the bid amount? So you set up the bid, right? For a particular keyword, you set no, up. No, no. I mean, uh, to start with, you know, why not make it ten cents instead? Yeah, you of... could. You, you could, but if someone is bidding fifteen cents, they're going to win. You could, you know, you could bid one cent as well. You know, the minimum is five cents, but you could make it, you know, ten cents. You could make it five hundred dollars. I think the minimum is something around nine hundred dollars. Uh, the maximum. Uh, but you could make the bid whatever you want, whatever you want. Amazon is not going to check for it, right? They have a minimum maximum as long as it's within that. There is no one that deciding it. What it does is for a particular keyword, it takes all the bids, it sorts it out. The top keyword always wins. But if there are two sellers with the same amount of bid, then you, you involve the seller performance metrics. So you bid the highest, then you're going to yeah. show up. Yes. And... Of course, you know, there are those who appear right at the top, sponsored products, right? Yes. And then you have others because Amazon uh, sprinkles a bunch of sponsored products all over the page. So yes. I guess that's the position, right? That's the position you're referring to. Yes, that's correct. And the, the bid determines where you're going to appear. The bid determines if you're going to win the option or not. And um, the, the basic that I'm trying to say is, imagine it's exactly like buying a house. Right, you go to buy a house, and then you bid, you know, maybe I don't know, three hundred thousand, five hundred thousand dollars. I don't know where you can find houses so cheap, but uh, let's assume one million dollars. And then you bid one million dollar, and I bid one million dollar. So the the agent is going to wait for a second. It's like I say, if I don't say anything, and we both stick at one billion dollar, you know, one million dollar, then the 
agent is going to come and say, okay, who has a better banking system? Who has a better, you know, uh, financial record? Who has a better, you know, um, the the record of, you know, with the credit you know, score? So the person with the credit higher score wins, right? Because they trust you more. So it's exactly the same. If you both have the same keyword and I have not bid more, then I win. It's just about a particular ad position. Mm-hmm. So how important is it to be at the top? Because... I mean, I have two questions. First of all, everybody knows the ones at the top are sponsored. And I tell my clients, just scroll down. Don't look at those. Yeah. But sometimes those that are sprinkled around the middle of the page, they they receive more attention because people already scroll down. Plus, there's a habit that anybody I work with, I always tell them, you know, this habit to scroll down as soon as you land on a page, where is that coming from? I say, you know, the last I checked, we read from left to right, and then we see things from top to bottom. So are you telling me you read everything at the top, and now you scroll down and you're looking at the middle? I don't think so. So why are you scrolling down as soon as you land on a page? So that's a user habit, first of all, that I see. Would you agree? I agree. There's actually also a, a tiny bit of a reason behind this is uh, it has to do with Amazon. Most people don't trust that the top results are good. Uh, there's a huge backlash that, that you know, there's a, uh, the reviews are faked. Uh, so people, you know, want to avoid that fake thing. And then, you know, they go uh, down to check what is the genuine product. Uh, so, uh, I mean, what I was talking about was not necessarily Amazon page. Yeah. This is on any web page. I see yeah. especially younger people. Yeah. yeah. As soon as they land on a page, they scroll down. So, yeah. uh, so, so on Amazon, that becomes more detrimental. Of course, you're missing everything at the top, and if you are yeah. the advertisers, things that uh, ads that you bid big bucks for, nobody, yeah. gets, well, people don't get to see. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So there are two points over here that I'd like to make. Uh, one is you're right. You know, you don't necessarily have to be on the top, and the reason why you don't have to be top is. Uh, has less to do with the psychology and more to do with, you know, what is your project like? What is your profit level like? Right. And the second point is Amazon is unlike Google PPC. That means if it display this ad, you know, if it's a sponsored brands or sponsored product, not a sponsored display, uh, there is no cost to display it. As long as people don't click on it, you're not paying for anything. So if it appears at the top, you know, no one's clicking for it, it's free. You know, like why not, um, not appear at the top? Um, so, you're right, you know, like, don't worry about being the first, uh, worry about getting money out of, you know, the ROI on the ads. So even if you're second or third, but you're making a profit, it's good. Some people, you know, some sellers, what they want to do is they want to have the brand identity out and they want to pay big bucks for it. So for them, it makes sense to be always on the top. Okay. I mean, I personally end up clicking without realizing because they blended in so nicely somewhere in the middle but you know what i actually click on the most yeah when i land on the product page because sometimes you know you do your search and something comes up and you click on it and maybe that's not the best one and amazon has those product uh, ads that are relevant to the product you are selling in some cases and i actually see it as the underdog because some uh, brands, they launch their uh, brands, their listings, and then they have these sellers who are doing wildly successful. 
and yeah. they want exposure under their yeah. listing. So yeah. they go, they go list there. But my experiences with people who do that is they don't convert as 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 well as the actual sponsored products. It, it depends on the product. So it's kind of called as a competitor targeting. You target your competitor products, and then you display your you know uh, products below the competitors. Uh, it depends on the product. Sometimes it could be really good. Sometimes it could be really bad. So you have to pick and choose. You know what kind of product it is. What is the seasonality? What is your differentiating factor? Why would a, a person, a buyer, you know, is on a competitor, would choose your ad and then click on it? Is it cheaper? Is it more expensive? Does it look better photos? Is it a better title? Multiple reasons, but you could always convert. So let's talk uh, about uh, the different types of campaigns because what you're talking about is bidding, which then determines where you appear. Okay, yeah. so now you appear, the, the goal is... For people to click on it, that's what the yeah. bid is for. When they click, yeah. you get charged. When they click, they land on your product page. At that yeah. point, you make a sale or not, uh, that, that's the real uh, outcome you want. Uh, you want to make a sale. So now suddenly some keywords that you bid on yeah. don't convert. So how do you manage that whole situation? Because there's hundreds and hundreds of keywords so what do you yeah. do? Do you just pick a handful of keywords and run the campaigns, or do you pick a large number of them? And then what is the what are some some best practices that you you could recommend? Okay, so good thing you said best practices because you know there is no right answer to this. Uh, usually, the way we recommend is uh, choose a handful of keywords, you know, ten to twenty max, run it on that, saturate the market, and then have some long tail keyword to find out some new market uh, along the way. Um, ultimately, this again, you know, is, is a human intelligence. It depends on what you want to do. Do you want to, you know, make money or do you want to, you know, uh, grow revenues? Do you want to get your brand management out? Um, there is also a way that we recommend that is called what we call as a kind of a piggybacking. You're selling a product, but you're not trying to make money out of the product. You're selling one more product, you know, along with it that you're trying to make money. Um, so in that case, you know, you don't care about how much money you make. So, you know, put as much bid as you want. Uh, if you buy it for $10 and you're selling it for $10 with zero break-even, it's okay because you have a kind of a customer you know, acquisition, uh, a brand you know, management. You have a customer loyalty. You're trying to build all of that. So again, it totally depends on your business goals. Do you really have customer loyalty on Amazon? Yes. I mean, if for a lot of our products, yes. And uh, we have received emails from um People that said, I'm waiting for your, you know, uh, your product to come back on stock. Can you let me know when it is going to be back on stock? So we do have brand loyalty. You know what? I've done that myself. Yeah. Oh, have you? Okay. <laughs> what, what, who did you send it to? Well, it was actually, so what happened was I bought, a, you know, in the old days, we had VHS tapes. For yep. Yeah. So I bought a multi-system VHS tape. Yeah. VHS recorder. Yeah. So uh, I was moving. So it yeah. broke during my move. So I have like 300 VHS tapes. Yeah. All has stuff on it. So somebody said to me, why don't you get them converted to digital? Yeah. So I did the check. And so my recorder broke and I got these tapes. What do I do? And yeah. wherever I move, I take them with me. So they're the biggest part of the movie. Yeah. So, uh, so I checked it out. 
There's no yeah. way I can pick one or two. It was going to cost me like $5,000. Yeah. So, so I go online. You know what? Forget it. So I go online. Uh, I check how much I had paid. It cost me 200 bucks. Yeah. So I go back to the, and I look at other ones. It's not yeah. the same thing. Or they are more, much more expensive. So I actually emailed the guy who yeah. was currently unavailable. And I said, I bought this from you and uh, you don't seem to have it. When is it going to be in stock next? And so he tells me, oh, it will be available in a few days. Gotcha. So sure enough, it, yeah. it came out. I put it in my cart, of course. It's saved it in the cart. So as yeah. soon as it became available, I, I yeah. bought it. Yeah. Uh, so that was the occasion for me. So I can see that happening. But that was because nobody else had it. And this guy yeah. is someone that I had bought from very affordably. Are there any other situations where you have such loyalty? Sure. So what for you is a necessity? No one else uh, is selling the product. Uh, so we have situations, you know, like where uh, um, one of them is kind of a, called as an organic detergent, which does not, you know, harm your skin, which does not, you know, give out uh, dangerous smells. Uh, it's called as an organic, you know, detergent. A lot of them also come from China. And what our brand did is they work with the Himalayan Cooperative Society for the women and these women, you know, they are usually in a domestic violence and they're trying to get it out of it. So they work in these places and they build this, you know, organic detergent. It gives them a kind of a, a financial independence. So we put that story inside all of our organic detergent and says, hey, you know, you bought this, you help this woman because this woman packed. And we put up, you know, a profile of that woman and everything. So a lot of people really loved it. And whenever they buy this, you know, they look for our special detergent and they say, hey, you know what? I felt good. I just paid $20. Is, is, is better than the, you know, the detergent that I use. And I'm helping a real person out. So when we went out of stock, because, you know, uh, the COVID lockdown, you know, Nepal is really landlocked. So they yeah. have a really severe lockdown. So they got in touch with us. I'm waiting for your you know, stock to come back. I don't want to buy any other brand. You know, even if it's a few months, I'm willing to wait. Just let me know, you know, when I'll get it. So, yeah. so you touched something actually... Uh... I always recommend with my clients is yeah. package insert, right? So you yeah, talk yeah. about a package insert. So yeah. uh, for the, the benefit of the listeners, so what I typically recommend is package insert with meaningful information is extremely valuable to, to build that loyalty that you mentioned. Yeah. Uh, also on that uh, same piece of, it has to be very well designed, you know, fairly sophisticated look. And yeah. at the same time, you can include your request for feedback without saying yeah. we want five or whatever. Yeah. Just, say, just say we want your honest feedback. Uh, yeah. Please leave it. Uh, leave your feedback. And the other thing that I always recommend is include a returning customer coupon. So that's something okay. that I always say, you know, because they made a purchase. We appreciate yeah. your and here is a coupon code for you which will give you give you 15% off on all our products on Amazon. Gotcha. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So that I, way, I like you, that. yeah, you're building, it's a, I call it returning customer discount. Got it. Returning okay. customer coupon. Uh, Got it. So that way, you know, you know, and also you can track how many people are claiming it. And I put an expiration date on it. Yeah. So I don't put a minimum order value, but I put an expiration date. So, uh, they, they have the incentive to use it sooner rather than later. Gotcha. Interesting. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. So, um, okay. So 
Let's talk a little bit about AI. How does AI factor into Amazon advertising? Gotcha. So I think we just finished um, uh, the scientific research and you know, development for Canada to get a grant. Um, so yeah, I mean, I can talk you know uh, for hours for this. Um, so what, what we do is we actually take a, we generate a keyword for each product. Uh, so if there's a product, you know, then we generate what is the most strongest keyword for it. And then for each keyword, we have a historical history of it, you know, how it performed, you know, what was the historical performance, what is the seasonality, weekly, daily, you know, depending on Mother's Day, Father's Day, what is it during Prime Day? So we have different, you know, uh, functionality for it. And then we forecast this, you know, for the future. So whenever you come up with a new product, uh, we generate the keyword for it. And then we use the keyword to look up and we know exactly you know, how much you're going to sell, where you're going to sell, what location you're going to sell, what days you're going to sell. So based on that, you know, we bid up and down. Within a day, you know, like if you know that your bid is going to be, you know, bid is best if it's uh, 65 cents, then we raise the bid to 65 cents at 2 p.m. If you, if you think you know, you're not going to sell more in the evening, then we bring it down to 35 cents in the evening. So, okay, I want to dissect everything you said. Yeah. So we generate a keyword. How do you generate that keyword? With the text. So if you give a, a complete product, you know, like the complete description, the complete bullet point and complete title, we read with, with Amazon API. And based on the text, what our AI does is it generates the really the strongest keyword for it. If you send me, you know, a product that talks about, you know, uh, for example, there's one called as a kicking horse coffee, right? And they talk about all the coffee, how much caffeine it has, you know, blah, 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 et cetera. So we read the whole text and we generate the strongest keyword for this is called as dark roasted coffee, right? So that's the keyword it generated. Now we already know everything about this dark roasted coffee. So we know this keyword. We know how much it sells, you know, what location it sells. It sells in Chicago. It sells in New York. Uh, Texans don't like coffee, for example. I don't know if it's true. Uh, so stuff like that. And based well, on this, that, is, this is where the order is coming from. Yes, we see the order is coming from for you know for uh, dark roast coffee. And where are you getting that data? We from? have we have around three thousand sellers, you know, that uh, uh, that sell everything. Um, and then our AI constantly learns about all the orders, all the keywords. So keywords are generated for all of the product, and then we generate the forecast. So, but wait a minute, you yeah. are now revealing something because I had yeah. a guess. Uh, and I asked what if he could wish for one thing for yeah. Amazon, uh, what would that be you yeah. know, for Amazon to provide? And, and he said transparency is, is, is the best thing, and we would want to know what keywords are producing what order volumes. You're yeah. telling me you have that data? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can get where, it in multiple ways. Where do you get it? You can get in multiple ways. Well, one is known as a brand analytics. You can look up on a brand analytics and you can get for each keyword, what is the performance? The second is when you make an ad, right? And you put your keywords inside it, you put 20 keywords inside it. So for each you know, seller, for each campaign, we know what keyword and how it performed for a particular bid, right? And apart from that, Amazon also gives us suggestions or recommendations. So it says, okay, for this product, you know, use this recommendation and this is the bid. And lastly, you know, the fourth one, there is something known as a theme-based bidding. So Amazon tells you, if your keyword is dark roast coffee and you put a bid of $1, you will get a guarantee of three sales. It's called as a theme-based bidding. It's, it's really extraordinarily powerful. You know, it's an API. 
So based on a combination of all of it, you know, you can get the information. There is no way that, you know, you can't get the information out. Amazon does provide it, not, you know, directly, but in, in different ways, you know, APIs, recommendations. Okay. So when you say you can get the data, the seller yes. can get the data through their brand analytics. Yes. But you provide the service. Yes. Right? For, yes. So how do you get it? So because we have 3,000 sellers and they all connect on our platform. Right. We so have you're using the seller's data and then you consolidate and that gives you a library of uh, performance data. Yes. So it's called as a wisdom of crowds. So what happens is we don't take the seller's data as such, but we learn from the seller's data and then we help them directly. So if a seller comes in, because each seller is selling their own product, right? If yeah. you have been selling dark roast coffee, you, you're always been selling dark roast coffee. So we read your past historical data and then we make a forecast based on that. I see. Okay. So you uh, get your system to generate a set of keywords based yeah. on the product description. And yeah. then you know from those keywords based on what your library tells you, what yeah. kind of performance you can expect. And yeah. the, the performance we're talking about is not necessarily how much you can generate, but when yeah. to advertise, the best time to advertise, the best locations, yes. to advertise, things like that. Yeah, that is correct. And, and, and that's what the AI does for you. Yes, that is correct. There's a caveat here about the location. You cannot use location in Amazon ads. That's why we have a specialization for Amazon DSP where you can use the location. Yeah. Yeah, of course. You know, location online could be anywhere. They could be using a proxy server. They could be doing anything. So Yeah. Um, but nevertheless, if you're getting orders, I mean, the, the, the time of the day is key. Yeah. I mean, that's a big deal because you, be, you could be cutting your uh, budget quite a bit yes. by simply increasing your efficiency. So, yeah. uh, so that's another controversial subject. So let's say that you know that most of the orders come between, let's say, 6 p.m. and 10 p.m. Yeah. Uh, of course, it's always 6 p.m. somewhere. Uh, yeah. But uh, so you, you could plan it around the entire time zones. And there are some time frames that, you know, it's worthless advertising. So yeah. uh, do you switch off the campaign or what do you do? Because if you switch off, that also has a price tag, right? When you turn yeah. back on. So yeah. give us some of your best practice recommendations. So... You know, you, we must also avoid it being a self-fulfilling prophecy. So what you do is, you know, like what some people do is they just switch off the campaigns. They say, okay, it does not work from 8 a.m. to 10 a.m., so I'll switch it off. And because they switch it off, it doesn't work. And because it doesn't work, they switch it off. So it becomes a kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. Uh, we try to avoid it because we already have one year of, you know, constant data, more than one year. And we know that things are slightly slower at 8 to 10. And we have some kind of a unique, you know, algorithm that also has a wild card. So we usually lower the bid, but every once in a while, every few minutes, we increase the bid to test uh, so that we're not spending too much money to test. And, you know, the, as more and more time passes, we are absolutely sure that 8 to 10 a.m. is not a good you know, time to sell. Uh, of course, the most important point is, you know, 8 a.m. It's always 8 a.m. somewhere. So here is where location data comes in. So if it's 8 a.m. in New York, then we show those ads, you know, at high bid at 8 a.m. in New York. If it's 8 a.m. in San Francisco, then we show just in San Francisco at 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. Uh, of course, just with uh, Amazon DSP. Uh, so there are multiple ways to play it. 
it's uh, impossible for humans to do it. You cannot wake up and go through all of your campaign at 8 a.m. in you know, New York time and you say, okay, I'll change the bid. You know, and then one hour is Texas, I'll change the bid. That's where, you know, automation is really, really the king. So what you are saying is do not turn off campaigns, just yeah. uh, adjust your bid. And if you don't believe you're going to get orders during a particular time frame, just uh, reduce your bid. That is correct. And then increase it. Yeah, I mean, of course. And also, this could be a moving target, right? Yes. Um, the secret that you kind of use is known as the, the bid boost. We try to increase and reduce the bid boost according to the uh, what we call as the automated day party. Uh, so we use bid boost for, you know, uh, upping and downing the, the bids. I see. So... Uh... So as far as, so you talked about package insert and our product. So are you currently also selling on Amazon as a seller or are you just providing the PPC and management aspect of it? Oh, well, there's a deep, you know, um, background to our stuff. So uh, we, we sell, actually, we started off primarily as a seller. We are one of the, you know, the top sellers in uh, all the countries. We still do sell, but we try not to make a profit. All of it is used for, you know, um, some kind of a getting data, you know, testing out different, you know, of our product. If a PPC, you know, feature is launched, uh, it's very risky to just release it to the sellers, right? So we test it on our on our account first. We test it for one or two months. Um, the unit testers test it. Then there's a user acceptance test, and they think, okay, this is safe to release, and then we release it to everyone. Uh, so it's a way for us to, you know, to spend that money. Um, apart from PPC, we also focus on kind of a third-party logistics. You know, if you need a warehouse anywhere in the US. Uh, because we know where you're going to sell, we'll put you at a white warehouse. So you're you're saving you know time, money on shipping. Also, oh, you are a matchmaker. It, it not really a matchmaker because we work very closely with that uh, warehouses. And sometimes we lease those warehouses. We are paying for the space, so it's directly oh, our warehouse. I see. So right. and of course, uh, these days, you know, there is a new model. So I'm seeing that a lot of uh, this is not so new for the Chinese companies, but yeah. And from other countries, I'm seeing this uh, major manufacturer who have successful brands in their own country. They are yeah. getting into the U.S. market to sell on Amazon U.S. marketplace. Yeah. And of course, they have to work with a 3PL yeah. so that they could ship the container and then they set up their own LLC, imports yeah. it and then puts it in 3PL. And then they, the 3PL sends out the FBA shipment. So that's the model that is starting to become, uh, yeah. if it's not already popular, it's st starting to become popular by uh, other countries, manufacturers in other countries. Do you see That's that? Right. Yes, absolutely. And that's the reason why we are now, uh, our secondary business is on this CPL. Uh, it's something we are well positioned with because we know we have the knowledge. Uh, if, a, you know, if a manufacturer wants to come from Germany to US you know, and they're selling something, we can tell them exactly, you know, where the customers are you know, in a percentage point. We can say 60% in New York, 30% in Texas, 20% uh, in Florida, and none in California. So it's best to put your, you know, uh, put your warehouse somewhere between Florida and uh, uh, New York, maybe New Jersey, you know. So, um, I mean, my, most of my clients use 3PL. Uh, yeah. Some, of course, large enough to have their own. Uh, and some who want to be clients... Yeah, need 3PL. And what I'm told is most 3PLs around the country 
they say, okay, how many orders do you want us to ship? How many orders? So, and when you tell them this is a startup, it's going to just start, they're not interested. You need to have like, yeah. so uh, is that the case in your, in your experience, the 3PL that you work with, do they have these minimums and what are they? So it's, um, it's a competition of both. You know, we work with some 3PLs. Um, we also own some 3PLs. Um, my general trend is I want to be exactly like Amazon. I don't care if you're shipping one a month. Uh, just click, 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 and then you have a place to ship. You have a place to put your product. Um, it's, it's, it's funny that you talk about it. You know, some of the new brands that want to launch, there is no one to talk to them. There is no one to help to them. There is no one, you know, there is no help. And this is where we are also trying to position ourselves that if you need help, uh, if you need, you know, some of this 3 we are we are over here. We're also, also giving you this, you know, the AI analytics forecast that will tell you where to put the 3PL. Um, our ultimate objective that we're trying to do is, in all the metros, we want to have one-hour shipping. We want to beat Amazon, you know, in one-hour shipping. So if you put it in our 3PL, we can ship to your customers within one hour. Amazon gives you 24 hours. Uh, we'll do it within one hour. That's what we are trying to achieve. But then you're not going to be in prime. Yes, you're not going to be in prime. Yeah, of course. So you, you, you're, you're going to be FBM. Yeah, we don't. I mean, I, I discourage people to, to do FBM. It depends, actually. Of course, it's not a good idea in most of the cases, but in a tiny percentage of cases, you know, FBM really matters, especially yeah, brands that want to own. Yeah. Um, so uh, there is, so this is true then, 3PLs require a minimum amount of business before yeah. they handle you. So there is nobody who will take a startup and work with you. Do you are you familiar with any like that or yeah. not? We do work with startups. You know, I'm happy to take some recommendations if you want to send across. Uh, we are very startup friendly. We work with, you know, uh, plenty of startups actually uh, here in Canada as well. Um, as long as, you know, they are reasonable and uh, they think we are reasonable, you know, we, we work it out. We give them a space. Uh, we we even, you know, fulfill the Shopify, WooCommerce orders. Everything is automated. You know, yeah. they, well, once they put this, you know, stuff into a warehouse, we handle everything else. Okay, so I mean, this is something that uh, you may get calls for because I, I work with, like I said, I work with all different kinds of companies and and I'm getting the question, you know, that, oh, you know, I talked to three, do you know any 3PL companies because they want minimum uh, volume and we yeah. don't have anything yet. So, okay, that's, so there is still hope for them because it becomes chicken and egg, you know, you need 3PL. Yes. Uh, but in order to get to 3PL, you need volume, but you can't do volume until you have your fulfillment problem solved. So. Yes, I'm very well aware of it. It's something that we came across multiple times. Um, and it's also the reason why we're kind of, you know, going to this 3PL space is because we want to help the sellers. Uh, as soon as you jump in, you know, we want to make it, you know, in a few minutes, click. You have access to 3PL. So you click on it, uh, you connect your, you know, Amazon or your Shopify, your WooCommerce, you have access to 3PL. We read your historical data, or you give us your, you know, your product description. We tell you where to place it, so yeah. that you are you're shipping to your customers within one day from your Shopify, from your WooCommerce, from your Amazon FBM, anywhere. Okay, so now at the beginning when we started, you said advertising is a dumb system. Yeah. Uh, but then you start talking about we generate keywords, we look at historical data, and then. Yeah. So it really is not dumb, is it? I mean, it's, uh, there, is, <laughs> there is a lot that goes into it. So what, what, is, what part of it is dumb? So the part of 
that, that is dumb is the Amazon advertising system or any advertising system, you know, how ads work, uh, I've been, you know, in the tech part of uh, ads as in programming, coding, you know, creating the software uh, for ads. Uh, it's a basically an auction system. Think of it exactly like, you know, what I mentioned before, I'm going to buy a house, right? It's not a very complex system when auctions happen. I don't know if there's auctions in US, but uh, we have it in Canada. There's a huge in Australia. You just go stand around, you know, and you bid how much you want for the house. Uh, it's not a very complex system, right? You just say what the bid that you want to do. And uh, the broker is like, okay, sold to that person. He made the highest bid. Ads are exactly like that. You have a certain keyword, you put a bid for it. If the Amazon thinks, you know, your, your bid is uh, the highest, you know, it'll select you and then show your ad. It'll yeah. keep on showing your ad until you're out of budget. Yeah. So, you know what I say when people ask, okay, how much is it going to cost and what is the bid and blah, blah. My yeah, response yeah. is always the same. And uh, I'm not going to take credit for it uh, yeah. coming up with the concept, but I'll take credit for using it. Okay. <laughs> so it comes from a movie I saw. You know, I love movies. And there's a yeah. movie called uh, Lensky. Yeah. So it's about Mayor Lensky. Are you familiar with Mayor Lensky? Not really. Yeah, tell me about it. Uh, Mayor Lensky was the man... Yeah. who ran the finances of the ma uh, mafia. Okay. He would tell them where to invest their money, how to spend the money, and all that stuff. So yeah. this is going way back before Cuba had the revolution. So one day, all the mob bosses, they're having a meeting. And yeah. Lensky is there. He was always at the meeting because he was the guy who yeah. gave the truth and gave good recommendation. So he says that we need to set up a club in Havana. Yeah. And one of them says, Havana, we don't know anybody in Havana. What do you think? Yeah, what makes you think that we should do that? And uh, so he explains why Havana is important and, so, and then another one says, do you know how much that's going to cost? And Lansky yeah. just sits back and says, never ask what something is going to cost. Ask what it's going to make. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. That's the essence of bidding. So, yeah. if bidding sure. can go $10, you see, I believe maximum is $900. So, yeah. you can bid the full 900 bucks. If it's yeah. going to be $9,000, you don't mind, right? Yes, for sure. That's yeah. where the challenge of PPC is. Yes. It's knowing and staying on top of it and yeah. mod modulating these bids based on time of the day, your performance, this keyword, turn that off, turn this off, turn that on, leave it on. And so yeah. things like that. And that's what makes it complicated, right? Yeah, for sure. Is the business around it. So absolutely, you're right. You know, like and uh, I say the same to all, all my customers is, don't worry about how much you're spending, you know, budget it and see if you're going to make money out of it. Everything is about making money, right? Uh, is it within your ROI? So that's a good quote, actually. Don't worry about how much it's going to cost. Yeah. So how uh, the other way that people, you know, just to get the full perspective. So yeah. there is the, there's these different terms. There is ACOS and TACOS and ROI. And then let's, let's get into that. And what's the best way? And then if you can, let's, let's try to get some benchmarks around it. So uh, what are some of those metrics? Explain them to us. Uh, 
So uh, ad cost is how much you know you are spending on ads and how much you're making on ads. So let's assume you're spending a uh, hundred dollars on ad and you're making two hundred dollars, you know, in revenue. Uh, then what does ad cost stand for? Give us that advertising cost. So what is your advertising cost? Advertising cost of sale, right? Yeah, That's yeah. Yeah, we just call it advertising cost. In your advertising, you spend, let's say, in a month, $10,000. Yeah. From those advertising, when people yeah. click those ads, yeah. orders. And so if a cost is 20%, that means $10,000 spent. Yeah. You generated $50,000 in sales yeah. from those ads. Yeah. So but that is not your total sales, right? Yes. Okay, so right. that's where that's where takeoffs comes in, right? Yeah. So takeoffs, you know, uh, there's a different uh, you know names for it uh, informally, you know, like it could be anything. But uh, yeah, takeoffs is uh, I, I like the name because you know I like takeoffs as well. Um, so takeoffs is the, the the psychology behind takeoffs is a lot of the buyers, you know, they look at your ads. And they don't immediately buy it. No, a few days later, when they look at your product organically, they buy it. So ads are subconsciously, you know, they affect your buying process. Um, so it is right, you know, like it's, it's very hard to pinpoint that a buyer bought it just because they looked at the product. Maybe they looked at it subconsciously a few days back on the ads. So instead of making, you know, 50,000 with ads, let's assume you're making 100,000, uh, you know, organically as well as with ads. And you'll spend 10,000. Then your tech cost is 10%. But your ad cost is twenty percent, right? Yeah. We always say focus on your tech cost, not not on your ad cost. Exactly, because also every paid click brings organic click, right? Yes. X number of organic clicks. Not to mention every paid click that ends up converting will get your rank up. And Absolutely. You'll start. So, so this yep. is where I was talking to another guest. If you yep. have a website and you're selling on your website, and then you run a Google campaign to drive yeah. your website, people come and buy, and then yeah. once you turn off the Google campaign, your sales dry up, right? Yes. <laughs> but yeah. that's not the case with Amazon. Yes. So yeah. being on Amazon first, and then advertising on Amazon next, those yeah. things have residual value going forward because it helps you rank up. Uh, yes. Of course, taking this to another level is advertise on Google your Amazon listings. So now that's a whole different ballgame, which also rewards you for yep. bringing external traffic, right? Yes, it's a new thing. So talk to us about that new thing. How does that work? What are the benefits? Um, I don't know of the benefit, and it has not been tested fully. Um, we tested just with a very, very you know, limited amount of clients. Um, that is, you know, that they, they offer some kind of a refund if the customer is, you know, external to it. Um, uh, they kind of call it as an Amazon attribution. Um, so if you bring in an external, you know, uh, via Facebook or Instagram or any stuff like that, then that's a bit of, you know, the Amazon fees is kind of reduced. Um, we don't work, you know, uh, really a lot on this because for most of our brands, you know, advertising on Amazon itself is a huge, huge challenge. And once they have done for it, then, you know, you need to go into Shopify, you need to go into WooCommerce, you need to advertise off Amazon. Uh, our strong recommendation is don't start off, you know, with off Amazon recommendation, you know, especially Google. Uh, the reason is also there is something known as, you know, if 100 people come to your product, you know, you need such a percentage. Uh, 100 people come to your product. And if 20 people buy, then that means the product is really good. The session percentage is good. 
But if you put it in Google Ads, and you're bringing traffic that is garbage, so if 100 people come to you, you know, on your page and only one person is buying, then your unit session percentage drops. So your product ranking will also drop. So you, so you have to be very careful of bringing in external traffic. And that's why we don't recommend, you know, for new people to start bringing in external traffic. So you just mentioned something I'm always interested in. Uh, yeah. Conversion. Yeah. So uh, tell me about conversion how do you track conversion what is the best way to track conversion and what do you uh, what does it tell you what do you do with yeah so there are two kinds of conversion you know one is the ads conversion which we are talking about um which is you know we expect it to be at least 12 percent is good anything about 12 percent is good we have sellers that have you know uh, 20 percent 25 percent which is really really amazing so that um, means hundred dollars you spend you get uh, $1,200? Uh, it's not a monetary value. So let's assume 100 people click on your ad. Ah, that's click through. That's, yes. So is this click-through rate or is this sale? Conversion rate is below that. So click-through rate is, let's assume 1,000 people watch your ad, right? Out of which 100 people click, your, uh, 100 people click on your ad. So the click-through rate is you know, 100 out of 1,000, right? which is around 10%, which is usually never the case. Uh, the click-through rate is around you know, 0.3 to 1%. So out of 100 people that watch your ad, one person will click on the ad, right? So the click-through rate is 1%. But let's assume 100 people click on your ad and out of which 20 people buy your product, right? So they landed on your product, they, they saw the product, and out of 100 people that landed on your product, 20 people bought the product. So, so the conversion rate is 20%. Yeah, so when you say 12%, uh, yeah. ad, uh, conversion on advertising. Yes. Out of the uh, the hundred click throughs. Yes. Twelve of them bought. That's why. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So that means twelve percent of the one percent. Yes. <laughs> yes. You need a lot of clicks, right? Yeah, it's not about clicks, you know. So impressions. So it starts with impressions. There are one thousand impressions, right? Out of these 1,000 impressions, 100 people click on it. So the click-through rate is 1%. Yeah. Out of the 100 people that click, you know, 12 people buy it. So the conversion rate is 12. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, 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 I understand. So, yeah. but I mean, it, it's basically, bottom line, it's 1%, 12% of the 1%. Yes. Yeah, it's unfortunately that's how funnels work. You know? so you have so to start with there has to be, uh, there has to be a strategy that is yeah. not just so narrow. It has to be wide enough because you need this across so many keywords so that yeah. you get those one percent add up uh, okay all right so uh, this is this is obviously uh, extremely tedious so talk about the makeup of a team uh, with clients that you work uh, who actually what are the roles and who assumes the responsibility for the ppc aspect of so it's a whole team, you know, it starts with video editor, it starts with image editors, you know, listing content creator, there's a different team for listing creation, there's one point of contact, it's a senior specialist who talks to the, you know, uh, to the client, understands what the business are, um, there's, you know, a whole team required. If, if a company is really huge, they have this in-house. If you don't have it in-house, you know, we all, always recommend get an agency to do all of it. Um, we also work on a purely commission basis where we don't charge you anything. And we, you know, we only charge you the extra money that we make you. So if you've always been making $100, 
then we'll get you from $100 to $200 and we'll charge you a percentage of the extra $100. So, you know, like, yeah, we were so confident in our which we work. So you can get, you know, agencies like that. Uh, for most sellers, you know, please focus on your business. Don't, you know, spend your mind thinking about keyword, you know, twisting the campaign, twisting the page. Those are not the work that you should be doing. Yeah. So, but your recommendation is outsource PPC because it's too complex. So uh, it's tedious, too many moving yes. parts, yes. Uh, a, a lot of data handling, and this is not really for conventional person. You you, you cannot add as much value to your business um, as you would put your time into better things to grow yes. product portfolio and things like that. Yeah, yes. I understand. So, uh, so tell me about what you would wish for Amazon to change in their policies for third-party sellers. Well, I wish they would give us FBM seller prime, you know, uh, seller fulfilled prime. Uh, that is a really our wish list. Uh, apart from that, you know, we want a streaming data which they're going to release. We just, they just released the news. We are, you know, one of the first few agencies to have streaming data uh, API access. We're going to have streaming data on our platform. Um, um, apart from that, I, I think that they're making really, really rapid progress when it comes to ads. And it's, it's something you have to keep an eye on it, that their ads is going to be the bread and butter very soon. Uh, they have DSP, they have Amazon ads, they, they are really, really going forward on ads. So the, tell us a little bit about yourself. So, you know, I said uh, chess players. I play chess. Yeah. I'm, I'm especially interested because it yeah. takes a different kind of mind to yeah. chess. So where are you based? And what are some of your passions and uh, how do you spend your time outside work? Yeah, so mostly I play chess. You know, I go to some of the, uh, I've started going to some of the chess clubs here in Toronto. Um, uh, I started playing, you know, chess. Uh, I played chess actually even on a professional level in the US. Uh, so I played for New Jersey, I played for New York. Uh, then I went to Connecticut to compete in some of the tournaments. Um, it's interesting, you know, but there's not enough money in chess. Uh, it's, it's a very, very competitive, you know, uh, underfunded sport. Uh, primarily because, you know, most of the people don't think it's entertaining. There's three people sitting on a board and two people sitting on a board, you know, and then uh, thinking about a move or hours, you know, it cannot be exciting. Uh, do, you get, do, you, do you get angry when you lose? Not really. It's a part of the... You know, uh, of course, you, you can never get angry when you lose. You know, you have to improve on it. It's, it's the same that comes on Amazon, you know. Don't worry if you lose, you know, you're pretty, if you lose your ads, learn from it. You only lost if you lost the lesson. You know what really gets me angry? Yeah. When people turn chess into backgammon, it's all about taking pieces. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It just drives me nuts because yeah. you can see it right away, right from the get-go. You know, they yeah. immediately, you know, take your 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 your, uh, your queen, they sacrifice their queen, uh, it serves no purpose. Then before you know, you got like three, four pieces left on the on the board. You know yeah. what is this? I mean, this this is you want to play backgammon? Go play backgammon. Yeah, you know there are ways around it. If you arrange your pawns and if you're thinking of the end game, you know you can uh, beat them in end game. A win is a win. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I mean it's I like the quality rather than just uh, getting the win. But uh, anyway. So uh, where do you think all this comes from? I mean, right, you are in a complex business with AI since the beginning. So yeah. where, does, where did this come from? Uh, I've been selling on my own and we built this platform in-house to help us out. You know, it was supposed to be a dashboard that showed us, you know, uh, it's really hard to get the real 
profit from Amazon. You know, Amazon shows you uh, all the sales, you know, how much money you made, but it's very hard to say how much you really spent on what. So we try to build the dashboard for ourselves. And then, you know, we implemented a lot of forecasting methods to see how much we'll make in the future. So we can tell our, you know, suppliers, hey, you know what, we're expecting 1,000 in the future. Can you ship it up? And then we said, okay, let's apply this forecasting to our ads. And then we had a really good run with the ads. And some of our seller friends, you know, they got said, can I use your platform as well? And they said, sure, you know, pay us a bit of the commission and you can use. And then from there, we took off. But I mean, why Why did you start? I mean, you could have done anything else. So where, where is this coming from? It's e-commerce. You know, we've been in e-commerce for such a long time. And uh, we think but why, why were you in e-commerce in the first place? Um, because I started off with IBM, you know, it's just a coincidence that uh, I was in IBM retail. Uh, IBM used to, you know, sell computer parts a long time back uh, before they sold it off to Lenovo. Uh, at the time, I used to lead a team that would forecast, you know, how many computer parts uh, have to be shipped to a particular location for it to make a profit. Uh, I learned a, a lot doing that. And after that, I moved to eBay. eBay also, we did a lot on retail. Uh, so this is something kind of my professional background. So I decided to keep it up. So why did you get into IBM in the first place? Why not become a painter? Oh wow, it's a computer. Is something I like, you know. It's something I love. It's a, it's a, it's a passion. You know, like just like I, I'm really bad at painting. If you see my painting, you'll you'll know why I chose computers. <laughs> so I mean, what, what, why be passionate about the technical stuff? Where is that coming from? It, it's it's our future, you know. Somehow, uh, I think tech drives the world, you know, uh, even if you're, even if you're a painter, you know, uh, that is a huge aspect of, uh, our tech driving it. You know, people use this pressure tablets and Wacom tablets and everything. So tech is kind of the backbone of our entire system right now. And, uh, I, I think, I mean, that, yeah, of course. I mean, now you are a grown up. What I'm saying is, yeah. so in my business group, we, yeah. uh, we have a methodology when we are coaching somebody about uh, presenting a, a difficult subject. We ask the question "Why?" seven times. Okay. And it's not like why, 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 why. It's it's you know why this, why, and then you and as you dig further yeah. and further, you get down to the root cause. So yeah. in your case, and and ninety nine point ninety nine percent of the time, it goes back to the childhood. So yeah. you obviously you know, got into IBM because technical. So yeah. something somewhere must have happened for you to become interested in, in tech in its yeah. most primitive form at the time because you must have been very small. That's what yeah. I'm trying to find out. Yeah, it's, you know, coincidentally, it's, uh, I don't usually talk about it. I was studying to be a doctor. So I was, you know, uh, going to, you know, uh, studying for the medical exams, you know, doing the uh, doctorship. I uh, wanted to be in a, in a kind of a brain, you know, uh, neurosurgeon, uh, stuff like that. And then computers are becoming really, really big. And um, the internet was also being kind of formed. You know, it was the initial stages of the internet. And I thought to myself, you know, like, this is going to change much more lives, you know, than being a doctor. With doctor, you're working with one person at a time. But if you're working with tech, you know, it's, uh, at the time I was just barely in school. And I was like, okay, this is going to make a huge effect. And, uh, at the time, I had the misconception that if you ask a computer, it knows the answer to everything, you know, even that what humans don't know. Uh, so it's like, okay, I need to get into this. I'll have the answer to everything, you know, about life and everything. And unfortunately, it didn't work out. But uh, that's where I stuck. I see. So this was, tech was your second choice? Yeah, initially, and then tech became my first choice. And I was like, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. 
Well, I mean, uh, I can understand. So being a, wanting to be a doctor, where did that come from? It's, a, it's more of a societal and a parental, you know, and a familial pressure because most of my family are doctors. You know, it eventually is like, okay, this guy is going to be a doctor as well. You know, it's a, it's a different culture, you know, like, yeah. So, so, I mean, I understand you want to be doctor, lawyer, engineer, you know, it's always yeah. the, the society uh, imposes. And yeah. You rebelled against it, right? You rebelled against it at the end. Yes. Yeah, at some point I said, you know what, I'm not going to be a doctor because I'm not really good at it as well. Uh, uh, I didn't clear the exams, you know, fortunately or unfortunately. Uh, and then, you know, like I said, okay, computers are something I really do. And I cleared some of the exams for computer. And then we decided to stick on it. So perhaps, you know, you didn't... So uh, how did your parents feel about you walking away from becoming a doctor? They didn't mind at all, you know, they're, they're pretty chill, so... Did you feel that you had to justify to them, you know, your choice was a better one? Did you, like, try to always demonstrate this was the right thing? Not really. I think my parents trusted whatever decision I took, so they didn't really, you know, care that I... Yeah, they didn't even question, you know, like, there was not even one time they brought up a question, why did you take up it? Like, it's working out well, yeah, it works out well. Well, I mean, I had the reverse story, my, not me myself but my mother yeah. my mother actually same social pressure she yeah. uh, she registered in law school she was gonna she was going to law school but yeah. she did not want to be a lawyer she knew right away and yeah. wanted to be a doctor and then uh, she actually secretly switched yeah. to medical school now ironically she wanted me to be a doctor yeah and and I totally rebelled. I did. I had no interest. I did not like blood anyway. Yeah. Uh, my father didn't want me to be a doctor because he said, "Oh, doctors are not treated very well," and blah blah. So, yeah. uh, and I chose uh, computer science, electronics, communications, and computers. So, um, and then you know, you these things kind of make you who you are and give yes. you so. Uh, I always am interested. So tell us how people can reach you and give us your contact information. We'll obviously put this on the website as yeah. well as uh, when your episode is published on YouTube, it will be there. But give us your contact information and how people can connect with you. Yeah, sure. So my website is aihello.com. Uh, it's uh, aihello.com. It's pretty simple. Um, you, you can reach me on my email, ganesharayahello.com. Or you could just do a live chat and, you know, ask them to transfer to Ganesh. Uh, I'm, I'm usually on live chat, you know, once a day. I try to log in in the morning. So if I see a message, I'll respond to it. Uh, or you can, you know, drop us a mail, uh, message in the support and say, can you forward this to Ganesh and, you know, it will come to me directly. And you are also on LinkedIn, I assume, right? Yes, I'm on LinkedIn as well. Yeah. Well, that's great, Ganesh. This, you gave us some of the things that we knew, but uh, totally different perspective, a different way to approach yeah. So you shared some very valuable tips. So in that sense, uh, thank you very much. I'm sure everybody will uh, appreciate and and uh, and everybody who's listening put it in action. So use what yeah. you learned. So thank okay. you, Ganesh. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you, Nick. Yeah. Talk All to right. you later. Now. That brings us to the end of another episode, and I'll see you on the next one. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Be sure and subscribe, rate, and review our show. And be sure and share an episode with a friend. And thank you so much for being with us today 
We'll see you next week here on Amazon Legends. <laughs> <laughs>